I do find myself drawn to people who have had some type of experience of loss or, or at least are willing to kind of dive in there with me. It's hard for me to be around people who live their lives very superficially and from a place of holding life at arm's length because they've never really experienced loss. Welcome to Dead Talks. This is your host, David Ferrugio, and this is a podcast where we discuss death, life, and everything in between. We make an uncomfortable conversation a little easier with storytelling, insights, and believe it or not, plenty of laughs. Today's episode, I have my guest, Norman Buckley, who was not only a successful TV director on several shows such as Pretty Little Liars, Gossip Girl, and The O.C., he was also a very intelligent and wise man who I had the pleasure of speaking with, and I just really enjoyed the conversation, and I hope you do too. Norman speaks about two partners that he's lost over the last couple of decades. He'll share their story, his insights, and explains how he's coped and been able to stay so optimistic throughout the years and become the man he is today. And as one final preface leading up to this episode, I was notified by Norman a few days after this was recorded that he lost his brother, Michael J. Buckley. So I'd like to dedicate this episode to his brother, and we will be doing a follow-up episode after this episode, speaking about his brother, where he gets a chance to really honor him and tell us a little bit more. So thank you for joining us again, and enjoy another episode of Dead Talks. I have a, a lovely guest today, Norm Buckley, who I met actually on Instagram, so it's I guess that's the, the way we do things these days. Uh, he actually reached out to me on a mutual experience, which we're actually about to get into. So, Norm, I don't know if you remember that. Do you remember reaching yeah, out to me? Yeah, no, yeah, of course I do. I remember that I'd seen you on Instagram. I think you were following me. Mm-hmm. And then I started following you back. And, and then I somehow became aware that you had lost your father in 9-11. And uh, I was touched by that. And just I was pretty deep in my own grief at that point. And so I think I was looking to connect to other people who had an experience of grief just in order to be able to talk about it openly. Because as you know, it's people have all kinds of weird uh, reactions around um, someone losing um, someone that's important to them. So... Yeah, and I th- that's what kind of hit me the most when when you reached out. It was so, you know, it was a powerful way to reach out to someone and just kind of get into it. You know what I mean? So it sh- it really struck me. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get all teary out and whatnot, but it was pretty emotional. Just that fact that you were going through your own stuff and you had the courage to say something to me so openly about it. You know, I think has led us down a path that I'm grateful to have connected with you. I know. I know. Yeah, you know, me too. I, I remember we had that first coffee and that was pretty much all we talked about. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then uh, I've, I've appreciated your friendship since. So, yeah, yeah, likewise. That's, that's been about three or four years ago now, at least maybe four or four years ago. Yeah, probably. at least, you know, we, we have our kind yeah. of yearly uh, rendezvous to catch up here yeah. and, there, you know? and we talk <laughs> yeah. about some stuff. That's why it's, it's fun to have you on here, uh, you yeah. know, and actually share it with a little bit of the world because um, I've I've learned I've learned a lot from you. And one thing that I, well, I mean, we could probably allude to it eventually. You you brought up something about my father, and perhaps you didn't. We weren't like you know, Doctor Phil. I mean, diagnosing me, but you did mention something about how there is a potential for you know my own traumatic experience, how it could potentially affect my relationships, whether romantically or and intimately, and how. And I've never really oddly enough well, really tried to connect I don't think I said that. 
I don't think I said that to you the first time we met. No, I think no, 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 no. Last time. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well <laughs> into our friendship. You know? no, David, yeah. nice to meet you. I'm Norm. Your relationship sucks. So this is why. <laughs> no, I, I do remember like having that conversation too, but that was a long time later. Right. Once I should have prefaced that. Once we'd, prefaced actually, that. once we'd actually become friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, my point was but saying I, that was you have a lot of insights that I really want people to hear. That's all. Well, I do think that uh, the, the, the reality is, is that some people, like ourselves, experience grief at a young age. And, and uh, in both of our situations, uh, we, we um, experience traumatic uh, grief in the fact that the, the, the deaths were so sudden. And um, I, I think that other people go, go their whole life and they don't have to really deal with grief until they're much older. And I, I, I in some ways, and I, I know it sounds counterintuitive to say this, but I think there is, there is um, a real deepening experience that happens when, you, when you've had a great loss. And I think that if one is willing to embrace that that's what the experience you've been given is, there is the real potential for great growth. And I, I, don't, I do find myself drawn to people who have had some type of experience of loss or, or at least are willing to kind of dive in there with me. It's hard for me to be around people who live their lives very superficially and from a place of holding life at arm's length because they've never really experienced loss. And and so I do think that it's a it's a it's a it's almost like a weird gift that's the flip side of 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 grief is the is the opportunity to have a deeper experience and deeper relationships with the people who come into your life and the friend friendships that you form. And I certainly feel like that's been the case with with our friendship. Yeah, it's just uh you know, it's just something that we've mutually experienced. And I think that tends to happen, whether it's death or any other experience, when you can share something so intimate like that, it just naturally brings people together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like our first conversation, that first day we had coffee, it just immediately went to a, to a very deep place, which I, which I really enjoy. Not everybody is willing to go there. Even people, even people that, uh, you know, I've had uh, grief. I'm in a, um, uh, a group that I go to once a month when I can with uh, a lot of other suicide survivors, because, you know, as you know, my, my husband, David, um, uh, took his own life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great experience to be around those people for many reasons. One of them being that, um, um, I, I recognize through their experiences, what I can't often see about my own, that, that there was not much I, I could have done different to have changed the, the result. But I, I do recognize too in the group that there are those people who have really on a certain level come to grips with the reality of it versus those that are still very much in denial. And uh, there's a lot of, of um, processes of loss and when one has experienced the death of a loved one uh, and not everybody gets through that experience of grief in the same way at the same, at the same time. And, um, you know, so it's, it's always different with each, with each new encounter you have with someone who suffered through that. Yeah. That, that's the interesting too, is 
you know, when you hear other people, and that's kind of what you just alluded to is a big point of what we're doing in a sense. I think how you just explained, correct me if I'm wrong, how you kind of heard other people's experiences, how they're handling things. And you kind of, you learn from that about yourself mm-hmm, sure. or about the yeah. process mm-hmm. in general is, you know, you speaking about it, um, I believe in the way that you just did can maybe reflect on their own experiences and learn from you and learn about themselves at the same time. So you just mentioned your partner, David, who I knew about, obviously. And uh, if you want to start, you know, telling us a little about him, your experience, or however you feel like starting to start the story, you know, we could take it from there. Well, I, I should probably actually back up uh, earlier than that because you know I've I, I've I've been widowed twice. My first significant other, I wasn't married, but I might as well have been at least in my own internal commitment. I had a significant other in the '80s, a, a guy named Tim Scott, who I was with from from 1983 to when he died in 1988, and he died of. Um, of AIDS. Um, he was one of the really early HIV um, uh, victims in New York City. Um, and um, I lost him after we'd been together for five years. And that was a long, slow death. And and um, it was, I was only 32 years old at the time that happened. He was 32, I was 32. And it was a, it was a, um, transformative experience for me because I, I uh, um, of course, wish it had been different for him, but there was something very profound about going through that experience at such a young age and the fact that it, it taught me never to take anything for granted and it, and it taught me to be really present in, in my relationships. And it took me a long time before I met somebody else, but I did meet my, my husband, David Whaley, in 2004 and we were together almost exactly 10 years. Um, uh, and uh, during that period of time, he had many ups and downs with um, his mental health. He, he was prone to um, uh, uh, depression and he was prone to a certain type of dissociative disorder that I, that I think was really brought on by uh, many experiences that he'd had in his, in his upbringing. He'd had a very traumatic childhood and a, uh, a very uh, abusive um, experience uh, growing up uh, at the hand of, of uh, his um, stepfather. And um, I, I do think that um, there were certain things that were broken there that, that were just never going to be fixed. I, I had a really happy relationship with him in spite of all that, though. And we, we had a very... Um, solid, um, supportive, encouraging relationship for the 10 years we were together. I don't think we ever fought. I don't think we ever um, had any kind of situation that that impacted upon the, the closeness that we felt. But there was this, this encroaching mental illness that, that um, got much better for a really long period of time. He was a very successful painter at the end of his life and, and uh, things were going really well, but, but seemed to really take a bad turn for the worse. The last three months of his life, he, he really fell into a deep, deep um, uh, depression. I think even more than that, fell into psychosis, a lot of paranoia and a lot of, um, of real uh, distorted thinking. And so he did uh, take his life in, in October of 2014. He had uh, left, left our house, disappeared for a couple of days and went to a, a hotel. And uh, I did track him to the hotel, but by the time I 
I, I um, tracked him there by our credit cards. He had already taken his life. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's an ambiguous loss. It's one of those things that I will never fully understand. I'll never uh, completely be able to get to the bottom of it. But uh, I will say that I uh, am grateful for the 10 years I had with him. I wish it had been longer. Or I wish it had been uh, uh, something that I could have um, helped him through. But, but there were, there were issues there that were just greater than what I can understand. And um, I don't think that uh, one overrides the survival instinct easily. You know, I don't think one just suddenly decides like, oh, I don't want to live anymore. I think that, that there's a real breakdown in the, in the cognitive functions. And so um, I'm, I'm not somebody who believes it's just, I, I really get irritated when I hear anybody say that it's a selfish choice, that suicide is a selfish choice. I, I think that that really indicates to me somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. So, um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a journey. It's been six years now, and I feel like I'm doing really well. But it was, you know, it was a, a, a very long, deep grieving process. And when I met you, I was still really deep in the pain of it. It was... It was not something that was easy for me at all. And I, I've, I've, as I said, I felt drawn to people who had had experiences that were equally cataclysmic. And I think that was when I, when I found out about um, your, your father's death. I just, you know, my heart went out to you because I just felt like that, that that's, you know, not only a um, personal loss, but it's a collective loss. And, uh, you know, I just always felt that um, we had um, something in common just from the very beginning by the fact that we'd both gone through these horrendous losses. Yeah. Well, the two stories are just so, they are so different in that you highlighted that, you know, your first partner, it was a longer process, correct? Yeah. And in fact, it was, I was thinking about it today, actually, knowing that I was going to talk to you tonight. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, it was one of those situations where he was so ill at the end of his life that that it was almost a relief when he finally when he finally died. Uh, I mean, it was you know there were there were many good times, but the last the last two months of his life were were, were pretty awful, and and, and uh, he was in a coma for the last two weeks of his life. So by the time that by the time he died, you know, there was almost a a sense of well thank God for him that he no longer has to be in that state of suffering. Um, so they were, they were very different kinds of losses, but I will say my grief was just as great in, in, in both situations. You know, I, I, I know I said this the other day on a podcast, I said, uh, uh, I was doing a, another podcast and I said, I know a lot of people who've known me through both relationships. They tend to look at my life and they view it as, as tragic and, and I said, there, there has been a tragic component to my life without a doubt, but that was not the, that was not the, 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 that's not the way I would define my life or my experience of either one of those relationships. I was extremely fortunate to be with both of those people. Uh, they, they really enhanced my life and, and, and offered me a great deal. And if I had to do it over again, I would do it over again. Even if I knew, even if somebody said to me, you're going to, um, uh, lose these two people in really tragic ways and you won't know when I would still say, well, bring it on because the relationships had that much meaning for me. So that's beautiful. So in regards to the two, you just, you did mention that, you know, obviously there's 
inequality in regards to the grieving process, but can you pinpoint anything in regards to any differences in the grieving process because of how they each happened? You know, one was as if you knew it was coming. Was that, is that what it was? Yeah. Well, well, I think definitely that I knew that the, the, I, I definitely knew that Tim was dying. And so there was a preparation for it. Uh, so I think that on a certain level, I, I gradually made my peace with what was happening. Um, the second um, relationship, uh, David, um, this, it, I was shocked. It, 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 was a sh- it was a shock to me. I, I, I knew that he was having real issues. I knew that he was really struggling with depression and I knew that he was really struggling with, with paranoia, but I did not know that he was feeling suicidal. There was nothing, there was no indication to me that he was suicidal. And um, now looking back, I see all kinds of things I should have noticed, course, you know, right. that I should have paid attention to, but I, but I didn't know it at the time. And um, I think that the shock of it was much harder for me. You know, the, 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 the nature of um, the suddenness of it, the, the, the fact that one day I'm, feeling that this person is here in my life and then the next day they're suddenly gone was it was a huge shock to me and i and i even think it affected me physically i think it, it really um uh my body i think w- went into a state of shock you know for for quite some time you know there were there was a period of time where i just felt almost incapable of doing anything there was a good two months after he died where where i didn't do anything at all Right. Yeah, you were telling me. I I haven't, you know, I've known you for a couple, a few, three years now or so, and even from that limited time, if if I do recollect the first conversation that we had from the last time we met, when I really do think about it, I feel like I honestly have. I can tell there was a growth, and I I don't know what it it wasn't so much in just the way you spoke verbally. It was I don't know your mannerisms, your energy. It was I definitely have noticed some sort of. I don't know if it's further along the grieving process or whatever, <laughs> well, whatever the hell you did, tell us your secret, write a book or something. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm sure that that's so because I was so deeply saddened by David's loss. You know, there was part of me that just felt like my life was over. It really did. I don't feel that way anymore. And I, I do think that uh, the, the, um, the death of my first significant other that's been 30 some odd years ago now. So I'm very able to look at his life and see, well, that was it. That was his complete life. It it took me a long time to get to that place with David's death of realizing, well, that David's life is also complete. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's not like he's coming back. There's almost a denial that goes on. I don't know if you experienced this after the death of your father, but you know, I, I really went through a sense of, of, of real denial that it had, that it happened. I kept thinking that he was just away somewhere, that he would come back, that he would that he would reappear, that he would um, that he would come walking through the door. Even though I knew that on, intellectually that wasn't so. I'm talking about on a on a gut level, on a feeling level, and um, I found it very hard to 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 kind of just accept the fact that that his life was 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 complete that it was over. And uh, I think with time, one starts to come to that recognition and that realization. And sometimes people get there really quickly and sometimes they don't. It took me a while. And I, and I think two things too that happened uh, after David died. I, I dove into work. I started working a lot. I think in the year 2015, I 
directed 15 episodes of, of television, which is a huge amount of work to do in a single year. Um, that's all I wanted to do was just go to work. If I just if I had work to do, uh, then I would feel um, um, uh, basically shielded from these deep feelings of, of, of loss. And I also drank a lot. Uh, I I I, um, I realized that um, now. I mean, I don't I don't want to be melodramatic about it and suggest that I had a drinking problem because I had no problem stopping at the point that I finally did. Um, I. I um, but I do think I was anesthetizing myself against the loss by drinking a lot. I'm sure that when I first met you, I was a two martini a night <laughs> type of guy, you know, because I, I, I drank a lot. And, and I do realize that alcohol has a deadening effect. It has a way of, of, of just standing between you and your feelings. And part of the healing, I think, that happens after uh, any loss is to feel your feelings fully and to get through them, you know, to go through the, the crucible of whatever it is you need to feel about it, not to distance yourself from it. So when I first met you, I was, I was, a, I was, a, heavy, I was a heavy drinker in the evenings and uh, definitely had a, a different um, um, experience just by the virtue of I was holding off a lot of, of, of my um, really I want to say positive feelings about the the relationship that can carry me uh, forward into my life, because I do believe that there is a level in which you you get to a, a place of acceptance where the almost like the person's spirit becomes integrated into your own soul, and you and you are able to move forward, which I definitely feel now. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think that I was. I was um, probably grieving uh, Tim, my first significant other. I was probably grieving his loss leading up to his death. And so maybe I got through it a little faster, whereas David's death was such a shock to me that, that it took me a long time to kind of come to a new awareness in dealing with it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like one was uh, slowly ripping off the band-aid, the other one was just a quick, uh, quick rip and in the opposite effect because that shock factor is real. And I, I feel like in my opinion, that shock factor almost offers a delay in the process of understanding it. Cause it's such a, it's such a mm -hmm. traumatic event out of nowhere that it's almost like your body goes in defense mode. Uh, I want to ask you in regards to, you mentioned denial and then um, some whether going to work or drinking to potentially distract you. I don't know if that's the correct word or mm -hmm. to, yeah. uh, perhaps mm -hmm. was, um, what, what is that what it was? It was like, obviously you want to keep your mind busy, but did that also, when you mentioned it was a longer process perhaps to get over it, was it because you were so distracted just to avoid it that eventually it all came to, it all came to hit you back to once where you started feeling things again? Well, I think that, I think that, um, you know, work and even alcohol, you know, can be a good thing too. You know, course, I, don't think yeah, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with finding ways to anesthetize yourself okay. when you're in e extreme pain. But I do believe that for growth to happen and for movement forward to happen at a certain point, you have to be able to look, you have to be able to look at the situation as, as, as fully as possible and to feel the feelings around it. I, I wouldn't say that I went back to square one. No, I, I feel like that all of that, the, the, the entire period of grieving 
both during the period of time when I was a workaholic and, and, and drinking too much. Uh, and also, you know, when I was then starting to go into my various grief groups and, and um, uh, listen to other people's stories, all of that was part of the healing process. I don't, I don't think that there's a place you suddenly um, get to where, okay, now I'm dealing with it. I've been dealing with it all the way sure. uh, uh, along. Uh, I've been dealing with it all along. Um, but, but, you know, learning as I go, what works, Mm. you know, learning as I go, what, what's really going to, to, uh, lead me to the the greatest growth as a human being. And, and I do think that if you're just trying to anesthetize yourself the whole time, though, that may be appropriate during a period of time, ultimately you have to, you have to, Come Face back it. to consciousness. Yeah. You, yeah except, ultimately, you have to wake up. And another one of your many words that have stuck with me over the years we spoke was mentioning, you did mention the drinking a little bit. And we, we always got breakfast early in the morning, so I didn't notice mm-hmm. anything. So unless you're having cocktails <laughs> in the morning, you did mention something about when you did kind of either slow down the drinking that the drinking may have numbed you in certain ways, which is kind of the benefit of drinking. And then that's when you started, did you start feeling certain emotions that perhaps you didn't, you felt them more powerfully? Is that true? Or did you start noticing well, your feelings a little more? Well, I think, um, I, I, no, I wouldn't put it like that. I think that I feel, I think I've always felt my feelings really mm-hmm. deeply, but, but I do think alcohol takes you to the place of uh, feeling really down about your feelings like you know I, right, I, right. There, there, there are plenty of times when i had a couple of cocktails and went home and cried for a while you know that's why i so drink tequila tequila is <laughs> a little well, more of an upper <laughs> well i was i was feeling my feelings but i think that what i'm really saying is to look at it soberly hmm. is, is a way of really taking in okay this is what my life is now and i needed to look at all of the aspects of my life with David, not just the good things, not just the part I missed, but also the parts that were difficult. The part, you know, his, his struggles with mental illness went on through the entire 10 years we were together. It got better, it got worse, it got better, it got worse. It got better for a very, very long period of time and then worse again right at the end. But all of that took a toll on me uh, physically and mentally and, and, and including the full picture of somebody too, really understanding that, that he wasn't just the person I romanticized to be the greatest person in the world, though I do think he, he was definitely one of the finest people I've ever met. But that's not all that he was. He was a very complicated person who was responsible for his own spiritual journey in this life. You know, he was responsible to do what he needed to do to take care of himself. Now, again, it comes back to that place of, well, how much can somebody really take care of themselves if they're sick? I've been sick with a virus. I've been sick with with um, asthma. I've been sick with, um, you know, a stomach flu. And there have been times when I've been lying on my bathroom floor after throwing up into the toilet and just thinking, you know, I could die right now and it makes no difference. You know, and that's that's a really powerful place to get to, I think, because I do think that if you really understand just how bad somebody might be feeling, that that um, you you can start to cognize just what how difficult the suicidal mindset must be, and and I I don't know I I think that. Um, 
there's a tendency when you're when you're sentimental and 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 crying after getting you know inebriated it's all about me you know it's not all it's not about him the fact of the matter is is that that i cried a lot for my own loss as opposed to really taking in just how difficult his life was for for him and you know as i say i don't i don't think that suicide is a is a rational choice but but maybe it is with some people i don't believe it was with david i think there was real distorted thinking but he was ill you know there there was an illness and in the same way that with tim's death cuz he was also very ill in a different way but very ill like i said there was a point at which all right well this isn't working anymore the 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 body is unable to sustain this life and um i i think it's a complicated thing and i think that our the 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 real um lesson i think i've learned in the past few years is to stay in the paradox to exist in the paradox to exist in the question of well will i ever really understand it no i won't i don't understand why some people get sick and some people don't i don't understand why um my first significant other tim scott got this virus and i was never infected i don't understand why some people get cancer and others don't i don't understand why some people get pneumonia and others don't covid affects some people and doesn't affect other people at all you know there there's no there's no right or wrong to it there's no there's no justice it's not like life is fair in some sense it isn't these weird random things happen you know weird random um illnesses affect people every single day and people sometimes survive and sometimes they don't and then also weird accidents happen people get in car wrecks or or terrorist attacks happen and 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 buildings fall down the, the, the it we live in a world of paradox we live in a world where things are constantly changing and to to really have the courage to look at that and go okay i see that this is so i see that this is so so i must take advantage of every moment that's given to me and live my life as consciously as possible. And so that's where I think the growth has happened for me over the last 6 years is is to get back to a place where I feel I I choose to participate in life fully even facing the idea that it could end at any time and that I could lose something else that's very important to me. I still choose to live life as fully as possible. That's that's where i think i've come to over the 6 years since david's died how do you get there well i think it just requires a a real willingness to look at all of the things i just described you know that there are no guarantees that there are no there are no easy answers there's not like some some um um justice that's that we're all entitled to it doesn't work that way we're we're basically um Uh, you know i don't quite understand um what this life is about but i do know that the the key is to move towards more life more consciousness working towards an experience of it where you're more aware and awake and and open to it and open to all that it it, it can bring to you uh, both both good and bad you know the struggle of my relationships was one of the most profound um things about both relationships i learned through the struggle 
You know, I, I, I think um, I told you I'm staying here at my mom's house. My mom is 95 years old. My mom has had so much loss in her life. She, she uh, lost her father when she was 13. She lost her brother in World War II. She lost my father at 65. She was in an automobile accident when she was 10 with her grandmother and her grandmother was killed. She lost two of her best little girlfriends when she was growing up. She, she lost her mother and her sister who she cared for in the final years of their life. That example of a woman who has faced, you know, unbelievable loss and yet has never lost her sense of, of um, optimism, has never lost her sense of participation in life. I've taken real inspiration from that. And it's, it's been good being here with her and just recognizing that we don't know what the destination is. I mean, 95, she could... She, she, she's on, in a sense living on borrowed time at this point, you know, but she's still living with a real um, um, expectation and, and, and um, openness to whatever is next. And I, and I just really take a lot of, um, of encouragement from, from, um, from her and, and, and um, she's taught me a lot. And, and, I, and she even told me, I remember, you know, after, um, after Tim's death in 1988, she, she was just like, Norman, I know how horrible it feels right now, but you, you will feel better because, you know, I, I just at that point didn't believe that I ever would. I didn't believe that I would ever feel better. I thought that I thought my life was over at, at 32, you know, I thought it was over. And um, then I thought it was over again when, uh, when, when David died at, um, at when I was 59 and, and, um, you know, that hasn't proven to be the case. And, and, and looking at my mother's life, I just recognize that we put one foot in front of the other and we go forward. I, I, I well, go ahead. No, no, please. Your, your spotlight's on you, not me. <laughs> well, no, no, what were you going to no, say? I mean, it's just, oh man, it's, it's remarkable how, you know, someone like you, you know, you, you had your bumps along the road as we're discussing and you have, and you have the choice, you have the choice, you had you, you had the choice. We all have the choice to go one way or the other, right? And you chose to, the optimistic side, whether that was you know because you looked at, for example, you said you know people look at what you've experienced as a tragedy, which you know inherently it is. But you you were grateful for the relationships that you have with your partner. And then you look at your mother, who went through her you know ebbs and flows of life and still stayed optimistic. So the ability that you took and the path that you took to stay optimistic. I, I wonder if that's harder than taking the other path because other people that may go through similar experiences like you have, just death and whatever it may be, can easily just, easily just become cynical and then take the other path. So my question to you is whether it's looking, maybe you answered it already, you're saying, you, you know, look to your mother perhaps. What makes you or anyone in your own experience choose that path of optimism when I feel like just as easily or more diff or, or not, you can just choose the other path and, you know, stay downhill. Like what made you decide to continue climbing uphill and say, you know, this is it. Cause for what I'm taking from you, my interpretation, correct me if I'm wrong, is you learned a level of acceptance that this is the way it is. So, well, what? I think that I, 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 um, I hesitate to talk about my spirituality too much because I don't, I think it's too easy for it to become something that's didactic and dogmatic. And I really avoid, you know, those kinds of conversations with people because I don't, I don't like to, um, I don't like to debate the, the, the finer points of how many angels can stand on the head of a pen. But I, I do believe that there is a spiritual component to life if one is open to it. 
if one is open to it, there is an aspect of life that is not only mysterious, but constantly supporting your growth uh, in, in, in showing you signs of, of um, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in the ideas of Carl Jung, the idea of synchronicity and the idea that, that the, the world seems to constantly be reflecting itself back to itself. And I do think that um, anything that I've been through pales in comparison to what other people on the planet have been through throughout history. And I, I feel like I've led an extraordinarily fortunate life and I've had great success in my career and I've had great friendships and I've had two great relationships that were, that were very happy. Both of them were very happy relationships in spite of what happened. So I, I do believe that those relationships are still alive for me they're not they're not gone just because the physical incarnation of them is gone and it sounds mysterious and i and i don't necessarily um want to um um again try to boil it down to something um dogmatic because i think it's mysterious it's a mysterious aspect but but I feel deeply spiritual and I feel, I, I oftentimes compare our, um, our physical life to our, our iPhones. You know, there, there is this transmitting device that transmits all this information that, is, that exists in the cloud. And the, the, the transmitting device has designed obsolescence in it in the same way that our bodies do. And um, the information in the cloud continues to exist. And um, whether or not this iPhone is working or not, you know, and, and I really do believe that our technology is always catching up to our consciousness, in a sense, our spirituality. There is something to be said for this idea that what we experience that we call love, that we call connection, that we call, um, uh, God that we call, um, um, you know, that, that, that uh, intrinsic sense of an epiphany exists separate and apart from whatever's happening with our body. You know, like I said, I could be lying on the floor of the bathroom next to the toilet uh, feeling sick to my stomach, and there's still something that exists separate and apart from that thing that is sick on the floor. Now, that's a mystery. That's a mystery how that works, but it's also a mystery how my iPhone works and how all of this stuff just happens to exist when I need it out of this transmitter. And uh, I've had enough what I would call mystical experiences and enough experiences of, of, great, um, uh, of great comfort even that, that made me feel like, okay, I don't understand everything about what the human experience is about, but I do want to move more and more towards that idea of being more awake to whatever it is. And I feel that self-pity gets in the way of that. So if one tends to feel like, oh, woe is me, my life has been hard, this is difficult. I've I've lost uh, this this or that. This person has left me. 
you know, this relationship is broken. Um, I, I, if one comes from that place of self-pity, then, then um, one isn't aw awake to the, the, the mystery that's revealing itself all the time. You know, there's, um, there's a lot that um, I could tell you that's happened to me um, since both of, of the, the losses that I've had. And, and, you know, it's not just the losses of my significant others. It's like, you know, I lost my father. I lost my, my analyst who I'd seen for 15 years. I've lost a lot of people who've been very important to me during the AIDS crisis. You know, I'm up, I, I turned 65 in a couple of weeks. Um, and, um, there's not a lot of gay men my age because so many of them died in the uh, first onslaught of AIDS in the eighties. And um, I lost uh, so many people that were friends of mine. Just there was a period of time where every day I opened the paper and there was somebody else who had passed away. So, you know, I've gone through a, a lot of, um, of um, real um, disappointment and, and loss. And yet if I, if I chose to turn inward and just feel sorry for myself, then I, then I wouldn't be aware of how life continually presents opportunities for comfort and pre continually presents opportunities for, for greater and greater awareness. And um, death is a part of that. Death is a, a part major of part life. Of yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, we, we, we don't have any trouble looking out at the, you know, the, um, the trees in autumn and, and, and see all of the trees basically dying for the winter. We don't have any trouble with just saying that, oh, well, that's just nature. That's just the cycle of nature. And every tree doesn't have the same experience. It's not like, oh, it's so unfair. This tree over here lost its leaves earlier and this tree, you know, kept its leaves for a longer time. I mean, we don't make those kinds of judgments about nature. We don't make those kinds of judgments about about um, these things that are very natural processes, but for some reason, you know, our ego gets activated and we really think that like, oh, well, my life, my life is not, not as, as um, uh, full and wonderful as I wanted it to be. And, you know, I'm comparing my life to this person over here and, and they've got more of this or they, they've got more of that. And I feel like you have two choices in the world. Either you can go down that road or you can, you know, just, just accept that, okay, this is what my road has been. This has been what my journey is. And, and um, I just have to accept that uh, for whatever reason, this, or even there, there may not even be a reason. It may just be like, this just is what is. This, it is what is. And, and I, I, I really want to fully uh, take it in for whatever, for whatever the experience is, as opposed to trying to, to, uh, deny the experience or, or not even take in the experience because I'm so busy feeling sorry for myself. Does that yeah. make sense? It makes I just feel like, no, I, said a, no. <laughs> I feel like no. I said a whole lot of shit there that <laughs> I don't even know if, like, if any of it makes any sense. No, it's interesting because I feel like you answered my question without like stating it, if that makes any sense. Cause I, I you started delivering all these words that gave me a feeling. And I was like, Holy shit, mm. this is the answer is the feeling you just delivered. Mm. Like, and I, I love the analogy with the leaves and, and the trees because I, I feel like, when a lot of people, even myself, are just when I hear, I don't want to speak for anyone and generalize, 
but I feel like there is a diagnosis for the idea of death that it's the end of life. But at the same time, I believe that death and I heard someone else, my other friend put it so elegantly is like death really is a part of life. And I think it's not, it's not separate from life, even though it seems like it severs it. But I think you have done such a remarkable job of, you know, realizing that at the end of the day, like the way I would say it from the East coast of town is like, this is what it is. It is what it is. And it's not, it's not a sad thing. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just life, baby. And that's what it is. And that's what we're dealing yeah. with. And so I, I think, uh, and I think also the sync, I, I love the, when you state, mentioned synchronicities, because I'm a big believer in that too. And that's kind of like, that is a sense of comfort as long as we're awoke, as long as we're, I hate to say woke, because, you know, that's very, become very uh, commercialized these days. But when you are open to life, like you are to notice these things, I think if we just opened our senses, opened our eyes and just noticed these things, because there are synchronicities in life. And it might be very little, it might be walking across the street, it might be a dream, whatever it might be. But those little synchronicities are a little reminder in life that, hey, you know, things are, there's still, there's so much more that we don't know. And we should be maybe excited about it. It should be, a, it's a little nudge from whatever, letting us know that things are okay. And I love those synchronicities. I'm a big believer in that too, that I feel like you've experienced yourself, perhaps mm-hmm. when you're saying mystic, or is that what you're referring to? You're mm-hmm. referring sure. to synchronicities? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. very much so. I mean, I, I, I have them all the time. And I think that um, the only time that I'm not kind of living in that space, experiencing them it's when I'm feeling sorry for myself. And uh, I, I find that they um, tend to really um, um, respond to my own openness to, to the experience of, of life. I've, since I've been here, I've been in Texas for the past several weeks and every evening, you know, just because there's not a lot to do with COVID going on. I, I go down and I walk by the river uh, that's quite near my mother's house. I walk for a couple of miles every night and I, I'm just so, I'm so just comforted by just being close to nature and, and seeing the sunsets. I usually go walking around sunset and, and, and um, all of these things that I, I forget about when I get very, very busy, when I, when I get very um, caught up in, in work and, and, um, or, you know, surfing on my phone all the time or something like that. And it's, it's been um, a frustrating thing that we've all been going through with COVID. And yet I've heard many people say that this whole experience has brought them back to a slower way of, of, um, of existence and in 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 a certain sense uh awaken them to where they've been out of balance and that's certainly been the case for me i i've really been um uh spending a lot of time just thinking just allowing um not even thinking just feeling feeling nature and 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 uh, i do sense that what you just described about death is a part of life. Life is this process of, of generation and, um, and it sustains for a while and then it decays and then it uh, regenerates. And, and, and the planet has not changed. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, everybody that was here a um, uh, hundred years ago 
just evaporated and, 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 and went somewhere else. No, it's kind of like the, the, whatever consciousness is, however it arises in our, in our psyche, it's still here. It's still growing. It's still expanding. And I, I think it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful idea to think that, that, um, that, you know, I contribute what I contribute to life and consciousness. And then at a certain point, this container, this transmitter, so to speak, will no longer work. But I don't believe that that consciousness disappears. I believe it just rejoins the greater, the greater consciousness and continues to move forward. And, and um, I, I, it's mysterious. I don't think we can describe something that's mysterious. That's the very nature of... Um, if, it was, if we could describe it, yeah, I guess if we could describe it, it wouldn't be mysterious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the, the very nature of, you know, an epiphany is, is that awareness of something that cannot be described. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I really believe that when I hear people try to, you know, I, I get very irritated when I get into religious debates with people because I feel like that, that then the, the, the minute you start to try to define the nature of what, what anybody wants to call God, it's reductive. The mm-hmm. minute you try to, to, to boil it down to some anthropomorphic um, type of entity, then it, it ceases to have the, the mystery. And um, I don't know, I, I, I feel, even on my walks in the evening, I feel all of these people um, with me, these people that I've lost, these, 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 my significant others, but then also my ancestors, you know, I, 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 uh, I feel like that there is this, I, I heard this great quote. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Well, um, I mean, the, the idea of energy alone, I, I brought this up in many podcasts, but I, I would, I'm, I'm kind of with you on a, you know, we're, we're kind of just in a vessel right now. And then the idea of consciousness and whatnot, it's got it's going somewhere. I don't know where it's going. Yeah, that's that's yeah, kind of the exciting part too. It's yeah. like, it's scary. It's exciting. It's all this shit that I, I tried, I tried not to go down the rabbit hole. And I often do, especially having these conversations, but yeah. I don't know. I, I think as humans, we, we kind of fear inherently what we don't know, but as soon as we can embrace that, I don't know, but I feel this, I feel that. And I'm going to stay yeah. optimistic. And it's like, it's a fun ride. Yeah, it is a fun ride. You're right, and it's it's a fun ride to uh, to to really admit. I mean, there's that great quote. I forget I forget who said this, but it's like, uh, the more I know, I don't know. The closer I am to God, I, I, I love that quote. I don't, I don't know the, that quote, but there's a, a Bono in a U2 song said. I don't know if it's the same thing. I'm going from that very spiritual, very beautiful quote to Bono of U2. But he said, uh, "The more you see, the less you know." But any, yeah, it's just kind of. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if that's the same thing, but yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, I get it. Things are um, not always black and white, and um, it's okay well, not to know. Here's this quote by uh, Carl Jung that I just found yesterday. Psychologically, the central point of a human personality is the place where the ancestors are reincarnated. I, I love that idea. I love the idea that you know what we essentially are is the, the leading edge of where consciousness has gotten to. And, and we each participate in that movement forward. And Tim, my first significant other, and David, my, my husband, uh, both of them um, taught me so much. And, and I um, just gained so much from both of those relationships that they still 
are alive in me in terms of what I put out there in the world. There is something of them in me. And once I'm no longer here, I would like to think that whoever has come into contact with me on whatever good, uh, uh, to whatever good degree I in, in impacted their lives, then they will carry that forward as well. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really interested in teaching. I, I teach at UCLA right now, and and I um, I really enjoy passing on what I know about my work and. I enjoy doing podcasts like this because I feel like, well, you know, we, that's all we really have to offer is, is well, my experience is this and in what way can it support your experience and how can you carry it forward? And um, I, I, I think that, that you know, um, I, I, I rebel a little bit against that uh, phrase. I say it all the time, but, you know, that idea is it is what it is uh, just because it has a certain kind of, cynical resignation to it yep. but i think it's it's important to to say it in 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 a way that has a certain kind of energy behind it it is what it is and it's so beautiful it, exactly that's and, a very and, good and, point it's a very good point if one can really uh, embrace it from from that place and all of it all of it no matter you know i've had i've had lots of uh great successes, but I've also had real failures. I've fallen on my face sometimes and had real disappointments and, and had real unhappy experiences um, uh, over the years as well. And, and to include all of that and, and, you know, I'm going through my mother's garage cleaning um, out uh, some of this stuff, you know, going through all these boxes and I find things, uh, I find pictures of myself or I find old notebooks of mine and I'm just like, oh my God, what a, (laughs) when <laughs> an idiot I was back then. And then I just think, no, that was part of your journey too. That was part of who you were. That's part of what you were going through. And you learned from that and then you moved on. And um, I think that if one can really embrace life that way with a real sense of uh, wonder and, 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 um, and expectation and faith, you know, like okay. faith and whatever you want to put that faith in, I, I don't want to, again, and I don't want it to kind of boil down to some type of, um, of uh, legalistic uh, uh, discussion about one's religious values, but uh, you know, faith in some 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 sense of a greater whole. The, however, you choose to view the collective consciousness, uh, it's it's um, faith that that it is moving forward. That we are moving towards something something that is more um, uh, refined. And, and, and God, I mean, all you, all you have to do is look at human history and see that that's so, yeah. you know, so where is it going? I don't know. I won't find out in my lifetime, but, you know. And, and, I, and I was just going to say. Is, it, is it, there it, even it, a destination it, or is it just a process, you know? No, that's why I think it's so important to, I guess, when they say enjoy the journey, as cliche yeah. as it is, like, because the journey is all we know. Like, the journey is the now and this is, this is all we know. We can speculate all we want and I think it's important yeah. to be, you know, optimistic because why not, you know? Mm. But at the end of the day. It's funny you say is what it is because I say it all the time and I never really thought about the inflection. Mm. But, you know, it's, it is important. You can say, it is what it is. And it's dismal. I'm like, what's Jesus, dude? Relax. But when you say, it is what, <laughs> when you say it is what it is with a smile on your face, like, it yeah. is what it is. But it is, it's, it, this, is what it, this is what we're doing. It's, it's like, yeah. it doesn't have to be so morbid and it is what it is and we're screwed. Like, no, like, we're, yeah. as long as we, I think it's, in my opinion, I like to live life where 
you know, we're on a, it's a ride. We're in a ride mm-hmm. and we can stay excited about it. But there are those pockets of things that happen in life where it's really hard to say that, where it's like, but you said when you were 32 that you thought that this was it. And then in that mm-hmm. moment you thought that, but you got out of it, wherever the hell you did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And have you read any, uh, 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 any books or, or listen to any YouTube uh, videos by Alan Watts? I've, I've listened to YouTube of rants from Alan Watts. He's incredible. He's out there, but he's yeah, incredible. Yeah, he's so out there. I love it, though. But, I love but it. I do, yeah, but, you know, like, that's basically his point of view is kind of like, this is what's happening. And, and, and you know, this is, this is the experience of life. And, and it doesn't have necessarily some happy ending to it doesn't mean that some people can't have a happy ending. Some people do, you know, some people, but everybody at some point is going to have to deal with the fact that, oh, it ends. It comes to a conclusion. So we think possibly, right? And well, it comes to a conclusion in terms of what our ego understands about Mm, it. I should say that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, there you go. You know, the the fact that, that what our ego wants, you know, of some type of, of, um, you know, I need to get to this. Like, oftentimes, I don't even understand where people are trying to get to because we're I just all, feel I like we're, we're all, all racing. We all, I, I, there is that sense of that we're racing somewhere and yeah. everyone's like a chicken with their head off, including myself. Yeah. And that's why I love when you said about this, you know, slowing things down. I've always had this mentality of working and this and that. And as the year's gone on, I've gone more and more of thinking, I don't want to work my life away. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. Comf- I'm yeah. everything's going okay right now and I want to do this, I want to do that. But there's moments of when I really think of like my dad used to say, or I learned from my dad, I remember from my dad is he was so infatuated with like the little things. At the end of the day, the little things in life tends to be the best things in the way, and the way I perceive it. And the way I can deduce from like the little things is just those small little like slow moments, those little subtleties, those tiny moments where everything is moving slower. And it's not that like that big moment that is so, you know, emphatic that we, we like the big shine. It's like the big shiny thing that seems to be like that on paper looks like the best, but it's not. It's like when no. things are moving slow and you just really take a moment just to stay there. That is what it's all about. So those little walks that you go through is really when you can really contemplate life and really feel nature and feel life is those slow moments. If you're moving too fast, it's hard to feel. Yeah. I had uh, a really interesting experience with my grandmother. One of my grandmothers lived to be 102. And uh, towards the end of her life, when she was about 100, you know, she was starting to fade a little bit. But the, the thing that she remembered and the thing that she talked about the most was her horse. She had uh, homesteaded out on the South Dakota Prairie when she was 21, and she had a really close relationship with her horse. And her horse was what she would talk about the most and remember the most. And she would even have this description of her experience with the horse where he would come and knock on her window and bow down before her and flip her on over his head, and then she'd ride out across the prairie. And it was almost mythological the way that she would describe it. And um, I just was so fascinated by that because I thought, here, she's had this life. She had these two sons. She has all these grandchildren that are, you know, successful and and living their lives. And, And yet what she really remembered was this experience of this horse and her relationship with this horse. And, and it made me think that maybe we all have those experiences in our lives where this is what our life is really about. This is what, this is where she felt the most herself was this experience of riding this horse. Um, and that was where she was the most present 
That was where she was the most in her body and experiencing her life as this, this as this very ephemeral thing, but but something that had great meaning for her. And so I've really taken a lot of inspiration from that. And as I said, you know, the greatest thing about my marriage when 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 David was alive was I never took him for granted. So when when we would be traveling or when we would be spending time together, I I just had I was really fully present with him because I, I just also was aware that uh, every day that he felt good and things were going well was a really great day. And I was really able to take in that experience of, of uh, living with him and traveling alongside of him for those 10 years in a way that I don't think I would have been able to do had I not had the previous loss. I don't think I would have been as attuned to it. I don't think I would have been as, as open to to having um, as rich an experience as I had because I would have been worried about the future or worried about the past as opposed to being fully in the moment. And so I kind of take that as a challenge. And it's hard now, you know, because it's hard not to get caught up in like, oh, that was my life. That was the most meaningful thing in my life, as opposed to staying in the space of like, well, no, my, my life continues to be meaningful in every in every encounter, in every moment, and I need to to constantly bring that same lesson to my experience now. And you were talking about the the difference that that you've seen in me since since we first met. And I, I think that's probably the biggest difference is that I've gotten back to that space of like, you know, don't take it for granted because because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. That's a you real. It's di- a real. That is a real discipline. Because I like to think I I know I'm I'm very aware of that. But there's moments in my own life where you know certain things happen, and then whether it's just the the natural emotional reaction, or whether it's frustration, this or that, whatever we have, then it takes it. I I think it's when that happens to me. I don't know. You can speak for yourself. But that discipline is like that initial feeling, whatever it is of staying in the moment, there's always that reactionary period where like you might be gravitating the other way. But part of the lesson is realizing it, like catching yourself and then stepping in and saying like, be here right now, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Like yeah. it just, it, even just like in relationships, for example, like maybe in like a past relationship, I would have done this, I would have got frustrated. But then like in a next relationship where that same trigger happens, that might make me frustrated, but in the moment I might be frustrated, but then I collect myself as saying, due to my last experience, but like, you know what? It's okay. Like, the, I, I just, if, like you learn from that last experience, but it takes true discipline to hit that switch. It doesn't just like, you're not just cured from there and out, like from moving forward, you got to, you got to be cognitive of it in the moment in order to cure the moment, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, you, you've got to be, you've got to make a choice in any given moment to be present. Yeah. You've got to, you, it's, it's mindfulness. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of mindfulness training now, and a lot of people talk about doing it and they realize how hard it is, but it's, it's really just about choosing to um, experience the moment for what it has to bring you, good or bad. And I think that's what a lot of people don't want. They don't want any bad experiences. They, they want to be happy all the time. And, and happiness is Good not luck. the goal. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't believe that happiness is the goal. Meaning is the goal. Mm. There, there's real difficulty sometimes. You know, one of my brothers is in the hospital right now. Uh, my other two siblings have both had surgery since I've been here, which has been stressful for, for all of us. And, and uh, you know, I... It doesn't, it's not like, oh, it's been happy and fun the whole time, but it's been really meaningful. It's been meaningful to be here during that period of time in which they've all had their various struggles and, and uh, to, to really 
be able to look at one's life and and find meaning in the difficulty as well as the joy and to and to see that that life really is all of it and yeah, um, the struggle the struggle is real yeah. that's that's where you learn it that's where you learn that's where you yeah. learn and I do believe, you know, the, pe- the people who have been through great losses like yourself or myself or the people who at least have been willing to look at the losses of others with a really clear eye as opposed to just like, I don't want to pretend that that's happening over there. I, I do believe that those people have, have a, a way into this deeper experience that we're talking about, a way into the, the, the being present, that it is a gift. And, and I, 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 don't, I don't want to and suggest in any way that I wouldn't change the circumstances of Tim's death, of David's death. But I also realized, well, I've become such a different kind of person having gone through both of these experiences. And, and um, you know, while I would do anything to have changed it for them, you know, for myself, I really have grown through the, these these very difficult experiences. And as I said, that's why I would do it all over again. If I had, if I had um, the choice, I would definitely, you know, I'd do it again. You know, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate. You know, that's a big driving force of what I'm trying to do here is I think, you know, we share uh, our own experience of loss and different magnitudes. You've, you've been through, a, I mean, essentially, I don't want, I'm not doing a hierarchy again, but you've been more, a lot more than me, I feel like in regards to, uh, quantitating the amount of deaths you experienced and all that. But I think the challenge, what I'm doing here is getting through to those people. Cause I've always thought, I don't, I've always told people that haven't experienced loss or whatever, uh, you know, had, haven't gone through certain things that I don't want them to wait for it to happen to gain that insight or gain yeah. that enlightenment. And, mm-hmm. it's like, and that's why the challenge of this podcast, it's such a niche conversation that, you know, gravitating towards people, listeners that, have experienced death are the low hanging fruit, quote unquote. They're like, I can, I can, I would love to get to those people, but I really mm-hmm. will also want to get just as much as I want to get to those people. I really want to get to the people that haven't experienced death. And that's why I think the conversation that we're having being objective and we're talking about it, it's not a, dis, it's not a sad conversation. It's a conversation mm-hmm. about life. No. It's like, how do we get through our day-to-day lives to make those people realize it too? And it's not our job to mm-hmm. make people realize that's not what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it'd be a wonderful thing if people that haven't gone through this, don't wait for trauma or tragedy or something to happen in order to, you know, realize well, these things. I, I feel like that one of the things I think you're speaking to is that having gone through great loss gives you much more courage. And I think that a lot of people live their life trying to control things and hold things off that are difficult and, and try to keep from having, um, uh, a full experience because they're afraid they might lose something. And, and I do think that that's, that's a uh, neurosis. And that's, that's something that, you know, if one has um, um, an experience of, um, of, um, uh, I don't want to say like an epiphany about death, but that would be the epiphany is that like, okay, I faced this, that gives me more courage to now face life. You know, I face death. Now I can face life. You know, yeah. really, I can really not just face it, but embrace it. And, and um, I, I think that um, that's been the, 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 the greatest growth for me. It's just that uh, I've, I've faced it all. I can't, yeah. I can't. I can't lose any more than I've already lost. You know, there's nothing else to lose. So I might as well 
participate full out in, in the time that's left to me, at least in this experience, at least in this incarnation, you know, and, and yeah, who knows what comes next? Who the hell knows? But uh, we're all kind of, whether we like to say it or not, we're all kind of, you know, sitting in the same seat right now, trying to figure out what happens next. And one buddy made a funny kind of point. He's like talking about death. It's like all these other people, you know, they all, all these millions and millions of people that have died before us, you know, they went through it. So, you know, (laughs) how bad could it be? (laughs) But I guess we'll see. But uh, Norm, thank you. And I I think it's always, uh, it's always, a lesson for me to talk to you and I'm hoping Uh, it's always great to talk to you too, David. I I really enjoy our friendship, even though, as you said, it just seems like we see each other once every few months, but, uh, it's it's always always great to catch up with you. Yeah. yeah, When you get back to LA and you know, you'd be when you start working again, you said January probably. Uh, well, right now we're scheduled to start prepping in the end of January and start shooting in March, but you know, who knows with COVID we're just, we're riding the wave. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to it's trying to done. figure things out right now. We're just like uh, watching the uh, watching the figures, just <laughs> trying to figure out. Amen. All right, Norm, I want to say thank you again. Thank you for doing this. Um, Norman Buckley, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you tune into the end. And thank you for joining us with another episode of Dev Talks. Thanks, everyone. That was great. Yeah, thanks, David. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Nice. I, feel like, I, feel, I feel like we're sitting down in Yugos right now, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is great. Well, I hope it. I hope it was. I, it's always hard. Like sometimes I just talk and I have no idea what I'm saying. No, no. Like you, I said, you, there's a part of me that's like, I hope that made sense. But. No, it made, <laughs> believe me, it makes sense because uh, you just. You, I don't know. You're so you're so articulate with just explaining how you feel, and that's that's the whole fucking goal. Excuse my language. So. Um, I was really, I was really looking forward to this because we've had, you know, we've spoke about a lot of this before, but you know, I'm sure you've done these pot, maybe you've done these podcasts already talking about your history, but uh, hopefully it gets to some other people that there's plenty of people yeah. that need it. There's plenty of people that need this shit, especially what you've gone through. That's the whole point. And like, you're willing to talk about, it. I think that's, that's 90% of the battle. And obviously yeah. with what I'm trying to do here, I don't want to make it a sad of a discussion. I feel like what we just spoke about, as sad as the topic is, it wasn't sad. It was like, yeah. it was, mm-hmm. it was rejuvenated and you spoke about life and that's, that's all really all I want to accomplish here. So I, I can't thank yeah. you enough. It's great. Well, it's always good to see you. So I think I'm going to, right now I'm planning to come back in December as long as I got to see what the travel advisories are. Cause I, okay. you know, need to come back for a few weeks, but uh, I may wait through Christmas and then come back in January and then go to Atlanta. I don't know. I haven't made up my mind yet. Well, but let me know if, if you get yeah. any, how comfortable you feel with yeah. everything that's going on. I would love to see you yeah. ca- catch up Great. this way again. Yeah, me too. All right, okay. I'll send you, I'll send you the final episode when it's all done and you can let me know what you think. Terrific. Thanks. Thanks, Norm. Good to see you, bud. Yeah. Bye.